0: This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. When you think about networking, do you get excited? Do you think of a great investment of your time? Or do you kind of go, another one of those? It's kind of like nails on the chalkboard. Um, I've had both experiences in my life, yet it was when I started working with Jay and I was like, oh, I'm going to another networking event. I'm going to another, I'm going to another mastermind. I'm going to just some other social thing. And Jay looked at me and said, are you networking or are you not working? When he said that, my heart just sank. Cause I was like, oh, you're so right. Am I really getting the value out of the experiences that I share with other people? The purpose of today's episode is to talk to you about how to have dazzling conversations, how to network with purpose, and how to captivate the attention of those around you. With that, let's get into this conversation with author of the best-selling book, Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People, Vanessa Van
1: Edwards. I feel really fortunate because I get the opportunity to work with so many amazing people in our community and our customers and get to be a part of their world. And they trust me with being a part of their goals. And more often than not, almost everyone is focused on health. And at the core of that is diet and eating a balanced diet. But eating this kind of diet, it's a huge time commitment and it's easy to get knocked off track. That's why it's so great to have a solution when you don't have the time to do the prepping and the cooking and the cleanup, but you still want to eat healthy. That's why we partner with Factor. And Factor is chef-created, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, there's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. The variety of different options and meals that they have is really impressive, but go see for yourself. Head to factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150 to get 50% off. That's code 150 at factormeals.com slash 150 to get 50% off. I'm very excited to
0: reconnect. I remember several years ago when I was still in medical sales and sitting in the car, a friend of mine connected me with this amazing woman, <laughs> Vanessa Van Edwards. And I just remember you talking to me about um what it looked like to create content and and to build an audience and a movement. And, you know, fast forward, here we are where I'm running the brand of the, the one thing, and you're now a best-selling author, which Jay absolutely loved your book, which is a very high endorsement.
2: Oh, my gosh! I am so honored i that there's there's no better uh, testimonial than from Jay
0: <laughs> just from jay the, the, it's the blue eyes they just get to you <laughs> yes <laughs> so one of the things when i was when I was flipping through the book, I saw this question how to how this statement how to have dazzling conversations? Talk to us a little bit about that,
2: yeah, you know, I think that most people, at least me, they approach conversations with the goal to impress, to be funny, to you know dazzle. And I think that the way that you actually have dazzling conversations is you sort of flip it on its head. So instead of thinking about how can I be more impressive or how can I impress them the better way to think of it is how can I have a conversation that allows them to impress me And so one of the things that we try to do with our research is we're trying to find ways that we can take something that you've done a million times before and then flip it a little bit so that you have a different approach. What does that look like? So in conversation, what uh, the, it, we'll talk about impressing people, right? At least in networking events and business, um, that's sort of the big goal that everyone has. And I want to blow away my boss. I want to impress my clients. I want to impress everyone at this conference. So what that looks like in the front end is trying to memorize good anecdotes, um, trying to tell witty jokes, um, trying to show up with great answers, either prepped or not. What I what I would like it to look like, which is a little bit different, is um, being able to ask questions that break people out of autopilot and are what I call uh, chemically inducing. So I like mm. to think, of, and, and I'm nerding. I'm gonna nerd out. Is that okay? Can I nerd Go out nerd on? out? Okay, okay. So I I I never understood people. I'm a recovering awkward person, and so I never <laughs> got the idea of like being captivating. It, just, it didn't it was like it didn't really fit naturally for me what did fit was understanding the mechanics of what happens in the brain and the body in a really good interaction for example in a really good interaction there are three chemicals flowing the first one is dopamine so dopamine simplifies, it's kind of a complicated chemical but simplified is a pleasure chemical right it makes us feel good it makes us excited um, it's what we feel when we get a reward or a gift So really good conversation. Your goal is actually to trigger dopamine in the other person, pleasure. The second one is oxytocin, and that's the chemical of connection. Nicknamed the cuddle hormone. Happens a lot when we shake hands or um, hug. I
0: I think I have a lot of that one.
2: (laughs) Yes. yes, yes. If you're a high-touch person, you crave oxytocin. You're good at giving it, and you love to receive it. It's very addictive, actually. I have an oxytocin necklace that my husband gave me. Um, and uh, and the last one is serotonin. This is the hardest. Serotonin is what makes us feel calm. It helps us with a sense of belonging. So in the best interaction, it's actually not that you're blown away by someone's anecdotes where you're like, wow, they're so funny and they're so you know, captivating. It's actually, wow, I feel excited. I feel connected and I feel like I belong with this person. So my goal is to make, to make that the goal as opposed to blowing them away with your amazing anecdotes.
0: I'm putting myself in the shoes of the listener who says, this is great. I'm an introvert. And I'm not great at these things. How does somebody go about taking all that information that you just shared and putting it in action?
2: So the worst people skills advice I think that we hear a lot and I heard it a lot I'm not an extrovert um, is that uh, to be charismatic you have to be the bubbly extrovert and that there's kind of one brand of extroversion or there's one brand of charisma what research actually shows is that there's multiple brands of charisma um, so if you for example if you think about you know the quiet powerful introvert you know like a Steve Jobs type he's sort of contemplative and quiet but he's very charismatic in his way you of course have the booming, you know, presidential personality, very extroverted, walks into a room and is the center of attention. 80% of people, it's estimated 80% of people are actually ambiverts. Um, ambiverts, this is what I am. I wonder, you might be an extrovert, actually. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, extrovert amb- all the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So ambiverts, um, this is when introvert, extrovert never quite felt like you. Typically, ambiverts are very social and very outgoing around certain people in the right scenarios but they need recharge time or refuel time what I would actually say is what's important before you even enter into the conversation is figuring out which one of those three you are so mm. are you really an introvert are you an ambivert or are you an extrovert and then the next most important question is who are the people that trigger the best version of yourself and what are the places that trigger the best com- best version of yourself it's almost impossible for an introvert or an ambivert to show up with people or in a location that makes them feel uncomfortable and try to be captivating. It's almost impossible. So I would much rather you optimize on the front end or set yourself up for success as opposed to uh, forcing yourself to a networking event that's really loud and uh, overbearing um, and trying to use some of these conversation starters. It just doesn't work.
0: What I'm hearing you say, Vanessa, is that when you have a great conversation, there's certain chemicals that are released in the brain. And it also comes down to who you really are. Are you an introvert? Are you an ambivert? Are you an extrovert? And we have to first and foremost, look inward to see who we are to put ourselves in the right positions. What does that look like for that person who's hearing this going, this is great? How do they figure out which one they are and then begin to have more dazzling conversations?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And it's interesting that you would break it down like that because every chapter in the book, or most of them, each chapter is like a a behavior hack. Usually step one is start with you. Step two is go to them. And step three is make it us in Mm. most of the hacks. Um, Because that's exactly how it works. I mean, the metaphor I always give is in an airplane, they always say, put your life mask on, your oxygen mask on before you help someone else. It's the same kind of thing. So the very first thing is exactly as you said, figuring out what of those, which of those three categories you are. What I like to do is I like to make a list of people and places. So people uh, first is um, who are the people that make you thrive? Who are the people who bring out your best self? Um, This is basically what we're kind of doing is we're making, we're writing down your support system. And if you're an extrovert, this list is usually 10 plus people. If you are an ambivert, this this list is usually in the, you know, sort of four to seven range. And then if you're an introvert, you might have just one, two, three, or no one. And um, none none of these are right or wrong. It just shows how much you outwardly rely on other people versus inwardly relying yourself. Um, So extroverts have people that they go to in good times and people they go to in bad times. They really source energy outwardly. So they had a good day. They want to go celebrate with colleagues. They want to call you. They want to text you. They had a bad day. They want to commiserate with you. They want to call you. They want to text you. Ambiverts, it's only certain people and only in certain moods. And introverts almost always will, will inward first, have some solo time, reflect, journal, meditate. And then maybe they'll talk to someone or maybe not. So that's the first thing is I would make a list of your people. Um, and again, there's no right or wrong on that list, except if you look at that list and you feel it's incomplete. So a lot of introverts who I do this exercise with them, they make their list one or two people and they're so happy with it. Great. Like wonderful. Whereas sometimes I'll do this with an ambivert. And again, most people are ambiverts and they'll make the list and they'll be kind of bummed. They'll say, wow, I, I didn't realize I don't, I don't have as many people as I would really like on this list, or I have the same person I go to for everything, but I would love to have more colleagues, or I'd love to have more social friends, or I'd love to have a better relationship with my siblings to add them to this list. So you might also consider adding a wish list. That is at the very bottom of the list, people who you would like to be on this list, either someone you want to get to know better or a category of someone, you know, more friends or more colleagues or a better relationship with your boss. Um, That can also help you be very purposeful, very driven in who you're seeking out. Um, The second thing I would recommend is places. And by the way, in the, I think chapter one, I have a list of a whole bunch of places, but you could do this on your own too, which is just make a list of all, all the places where you thrive. This is where look forward to going there. You feel like you are really confident. Uh, You show up as your best self. And then also make a list of the places that drain you. You'll see as you start to make this list. And I want you to get as specific as you can. I mean, it could even be the difference between the boardroom in your office and the open floor plan in your office. I mean, that's that specific. Because what you'll notice are there are patterns. So for me, as I started to do this for myself, I found when I was really honest with myself that the places that were loud, no matter what it was professional, social, or even romantic the loud places really drained me. That was actually the factor. It wasn't that I didn't want to go out. It was that when it's loud, I feel like I can't make conversation. Uh, for some reason, when I'm like listening or like my hearing, I just have a really hard time distinguishing background noise from actual noise. And that was. That's an easy thing to optimize for, right? So like when I go to big conferences like South by Southwest every year, I will purposely sign myself up for one-on-one meetings, quieter cafes. Uh, I love all the sessions. I avoid like the plague, the big networking halls, the giant parties after 10pm, um, like the huge you know, ones with all those lush couches. Nope. Couches are usually not my kind of deal. Um, <laughs> Usually, they're accompanied with like weird lighting and a DJ, and that never works out well for me. So, like, that was a real Now it's so easy for me to know what to say yes to and what to say no to.
0: Right. I'm thinking through all of the experiences I've had in events. And, and when I talk to several of our members, they're like, uh, is it networking or is it not? Working, You know, you're, you're, you stand in a room and there's all these people that are only out to to get things for themselves. It's just a waste of time. Hmm. If we're having a conversation, how do we open up a conversation in a way that really does captivate someone's attention and ensure that we have a better quality conversation?
2: Sure. Well, there I like to go to the research. So um, there was a really interesting research experiment that looked at opening lines, right? And I think this is the most uh stress-inducing thing, no matter what personality type you are, is how do you open a conversation? And there's all these clever things, you know, like uh if you talk about dating scenarios, it's, you know, do you like math? You know, all the all these crazy, horrible um openers. And what they found was the actual best opener across genders and uh in different any situation is just, hi, how are you? I'm Vanessa fill in your name, obviously, um, because, and the reason for this is, is really important from a physiological perspective. So if you think about our... Uh, first impressions, what we're trying to do very, very quickly is we're trying to answer three quick questions about the person we're with. First, am I safe with this person, right? Like, is this person a threat or are they okay? That's usually, usually at a networking event or at a party, that one goes pretty quick because you're already in a safe scenario. You're trying to know, um, is this person going to uh, be like me, right? Are we going to be similar? Are we going to have something to talk about? And lastly, are they going to be on my team? Like, are they going to be an ally for me? And so, Those first few seconds, if you ask something that's actually too thought-provoking, like, uh, um, you know, what was the best part of your day? That's a great second or third question. But as an opener, it's almost too much cognitive load for the brain because you want to give them a few seconds to just suss out those first few questions of, who are you? Who are we? Are we going to handshake? Let's make a little bit of eye contact and then go into conversation. So my favorite openers are actually the most Boring at first, just to give someone time to suss you out, and then going into some of the more sparking ones that are not, what do you do? How are you? Where are you from?
0: What are some examples of those?
2: So um, first, what I would say is, uh, let's go on a a conversation starter diet, um, if we can. (laughs) I don't know about you, but... I will go to parties or networking events. I actually don't do much networking anymore, but I used to go and I'd have literally the same conversation on autopilot every single time. It was like both of us were reading from a social script. So it was, so how are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna get some more wine. Like That was the conversation. I mean, no matter what it was, and it was like my brain was just dead from... Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't even thinking about my answers. And the problem is, is that is that is a lack of dopamine. So there's no excitement. There's no peaks and valleys. There's no sparking at all. And so the first thing I would say is before we replace those conversationers is make a pledge to yourself, if you're willing, if you're brave enough to go on a what do you do diet, <laughs> which is do not ask for the next 30 days, what do you do to anyone that you meet? Um, it's, it's harder than you would think. And training yourself out of it is also its own kind of interesting experience because we are so driven towards that, especially in any kind of professional setting or even in a, in a party or social setting. Um, actually I go to a party uh, every month where uh, you're not allowed to talk about what you do. So the, you show up and, um, the The only rule of the party is you cannot talk about anything that you do. You have to talk about other things, and then at the end of the night, you go around the table and you guess what everyone does. Oh, that's so cool! It's really it's such it's such a great exercise because one, you uh, can't talk about it, so that exercises totally new muscles of the brain. Right? You like cannot talk about what you do, and also is if you don't have very good work life balance, how hard that is. Right? Yeah, like if you if, if you don't have good work life balance you're like, oh my God, I have nothing to talk about, which is a very enlightening moment. The second thing is you begin to ask questions that are directed. And this was the, what I was gonna say when you asked, you know, give me some examples. The best kind of questions are searching for something. So the worst questions are when someone has memorized a bunch of conversation starters and they're sort of rattling off, you know, what was the best part of your day? What kind of food would you be if you could be any food? Like what, you know, those kind of questions. There's not really a purpose behind them or you're asking them because you heard on a podcast that you should. What is much better is when you have purpose in a conversation. So mm. one of the things I argue about in my, um, and in my people school is that purpose is the new confidence it's impossible to say to someone, be more confident. It just like, it doesn't work. That's such a nebulous term, but be more purposeful does work. So I like to have a purpose in every conversation. So for example, the reason why that party works so well is because your purpose is to ask questions to get to know someone so that you can make an accurate guess at the end of the night. So that obviously is not necessarily your purpose at every networking event, but your purpose could be something else. So it could be my favorite is to find three me too moments. So me too moments are when someone else says, oh, wow, yeah, me too. Or yeah, I have that as well. And that's serotonin. When you have that moment of camaraderie and belonging, it's like, oh, I am one. I am, I am accepted with this person. So Usually my goal in any kind of new conversation is how can I get the other person or me to say, oh yeah, me too, at least three times.
0: Hmm. Vanessa, you've read The One Thing and I know you're a fan. I'm curious for somebody who's listening to this, uh, they go through, they read Captivate. What's the one thing they can implement right now, such that by doing it would allow them to develop more meaningful relationships?
2: Sure. Yeah, my it's hard to pick a favorite hack, but I do. I have one that I think is the most applicable, easiest to use that really changes the game for relationships. It's called highlighting. So there's a pretty uh, famous psychological principle. It's nicknamed the Pygmalion effect, which is that. Um, If you have high expectations, people will rise to them. And If you have low expectations, people will lower to them. And so in that way, it actually gives us a lot of control over um, how we interact with people as a manager, as a partner, as a friend, as a spouse as a parent. And so uh, one of my favorite ones is this idea of highlighting. The biggest wasted opportunity, I think, happens at the beginning of every phone call, at the beginning of every networking event, beginning of every meeting, which is when you introduce someone else or someone is introduced to you. So for example, I don't know about you, but most of my my um, conference calls are like, uh, Hi, everyone. We're going to start in a few minutes. Um, we have... Uh, who's on the call? Just unmute yourself. Who's on the call? And it's like, be and Annie, Mike, Like it's like this horrible, you know, awkward mishmash of introductions. <laughs> I think, right? It's like horror. It's so awkward. That is also the biggest wasted opportunity we can have because an introduction is one of the greatest gifts we can give a fellow human being. If you introduce someone well you're able to say things they can't say about themselves. You're able to set them up for a high expectation. And you're able to get rid of their own awkwardness of having to introduce themselves. I mean, no one likes to unmute themselves and say, Hi, this is Vanessa. It's the worst feeling. So what I would say is if you can master one tip, it's called being a raver. I don't mean a light stick variety. I mean, being (laughs) the person where... You are the best introducer. So at any on any email chain, when you're looping someone in on any conference call, any networking event, that you're introducing someone in like the way that they wish they could always be introduced. So for example, um, I really want you to meet my my colleague Sarah. She's been with us for five years. We could not work on the science table without her. She is an incredible manager, incredible leader. We are lucky to even have her on this call. She's gonna be going over all the things that we're gonna be doing for your organization. So it's like a very, very brief, but sort of um, energetic introduction of someone. And what's great about it is the secret is you're not only setting up for success, you're also searching for all the reasons why you love working with these people. So it's one of the greatest ways that you can help internally your relationship as well as externally. So if you can be a raver um, with everyone in your life, it's the greatest gift.
0: Mm, That is such good guidance. While you were sharing that, I've, I was replaying the instances where I had ravers around me. When they introduced me to somebody else, I was amazed at the details they were recalling. And it made me feel so strongly about that person. I, yes. never, I never thought to go on a 66-day challenge to making that a habit.
2: And, and what you can do is it makes you a better listener. Because if you know that you're going to have to introduce this person, like you're a networking event. You meet someone for the first time and you know that you're probably going to be approached by other people or colleagues. If you're listening with the purpose, again, there's that purpose thing that, okay, if I, if I had to introduce this person in five minutes, what would I want to ask and recall? So it also adds purpose to every person you meet because you're cataloging the details of what you can say to someone else about them.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Who should get a copy of Captivate?
2: I think it's really great for people who have ever felt any kind of confusion or uncertainty or anxiety in any kind of interaction. A boss relationship, networking, dating. I, as I joke at the beginning, I'm a recovering awkward person. And I, I my goal is to really banish that awkwardness. So if you've ever felt any awkwardness or discomfort, I think there's ways to hack it.
0: Awesome. Well, folks, if you want to get a copy of Captivate, you can go to Amazon. Vanessa, do you have it on your site as well?
2: Yep, we have it on our site, uh, scienceofpeople.com slash captivate.
0: And if you guys would like to get a copy of Captivate on Audible, you can go to audible.com slash one thing. That's audible.com slash one thing. Or you can text one thing to the number 500-500 to get started. They will, if you guys are not an Audible customer yet, uh, you can get a free audiobook in this case, Captivate with a 30-day trial membership. So just make sure you go to audible.com slash one thing or text one thing to the number 500, 500 to get started. Vanessa, I really appreciate your time. It was great catching up. And uh, hopefully we will be having you here on the one thing webinar series shortly.
2: Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Well, there you have it. My conversation with Vanessa Van Edwards, author of the best-selling book, Captivate the Science of Succeeding with People. Folks out of everything you heard, what was the one thing that made the biggest impression on you? For me, it was definitely the highlighter at the end. Uh, If you've ever experienced somebody else, whether you witnessed them introduce somebody else or they introduced you in a way where they really talked you up, it's extraordinary how much of an impression that it leaves. And I love how she says, it really forces you in your interactions with people to listen more intently because you know if you're going to have to recall information about them, you will listen with purpose. We hope that this episode has brought value to you. If it has, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. When you do, reference the fact that you listened to the episode with Vanessa Van Edwards and share with us specifically what you learned and the actions that you took. When you share these reviews, they automatically come to us so we're able to see the feedback that you have. And it also helps us reach more people and gives them a real sense of what this show is all about. Together, we can really help make a bigger impact in terms of how people manage their time. Time and all the areas that matter most in their life. If you are one of those new people who's joining us for the first time, please go ahead and click that subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And we would encourage you to to check out the onething.com slash webinar. Each month we feature a best-selling author and I was chatting with Vanessa, we will likely have her on an upcoming One Thing webinar series. So you'd have the opportunity to join us live for a full hour and be able to ask her your questions about forming relationships with other people. Go to the onething.com slash webinar. That's with the number one in the URL. Thanks so much for listening to The One Thing Podcast and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.